right, everybody. Good Monday. Happy morning, whatever you want to call it here on Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and joining us. I am Paul Russo. I'm joined along with Kyle Evans and producer Nate Sharman, demanding the controls behind the scenes. You obviously will hear his voice from time to time on the podcast. Kyle, uh, pretty pretty positive opening weekend for the uh, New York baseball teams at the uh, major league level, I'd say. Yeah, and both teams actually came very close to a sweep. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, um, had 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 an inclination at least on the uh, on the Mets front, right? We discussed. I uh, figure they lose one game, and the last game I didn't really expect them to lose in a way. Uh, but uh, and then on obviously the. Uh, minor league side of things with Rochester and Syracuse uh tail two different teams really uh the opening week for them uh we'll touch on that obviously but Rochester looking pretty strong out of the gate obviously tough to tell and that's the same thing too to, to really to be fair at the major league level but um you know Rochester looking really strong out, out of the gate uh the Syracuse Mets not not so much uh, but we'll touch on both of those, obviously. And um, and one thing we have to remember yeah. is it's also very early. Right. Just one series right. in. But. Right. And uh, it's always tough. And th- I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's tough to really gauge off the bat quite, you know, who's going to be good where and, and, and who's not. And that's actually something that, you know, we discussed a little bit off screen right before the podcast is, uh, you know, how much, how many grains of salt should we take, uh, at least with the minor league squads, Right, because uh, many things can happen. Obviously, Rochester, for example, being affiliated with with the Nationals, and uh, that's who the Mets played. And if they're not not great, you know, the first month odds are going to see probably a couple of those guys get pulled up or traded away, used as trade bait in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, the, um, the roster is always moving right at, at the AAA level. Right. So well, we'll obviously get to those at towards the tail end, but let's jump uh, right in. We'll start with the. New York Yankees taking two or three from the Red Sox. So they'll start the year two and one, obviously early, but tied second uh, in the AL East. We'll start with opening day uh, for the Yankees, obviously getting pushed back from Thursday to Friday. Uh, but a six to five victory uh, in extra innings final after the 11th inning. Uh, Michael King picks up the win for the Yankees. Carter Crawford picked up the loss. Uh, your top performers technically in that game. Uh, and this is something we'll, we'll hone in on throughout the year, obviously. DJ LeMahieu. Uh, big home run there uh, for the Yankees during the game. Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox uh, went three for five, double RBI. But Anthony Rizzo, uh, who really has probably been the hottest Yankee to start the year, we'll, we'll touch on him a little bit more uh, once we get through the games. Uh, he picked up a home run in the opening game as well. But but really the main storyline to me in that game was the Josh Donaldson walk-off single in the 11th inning. Yeah, and one of my biggest takeaways too is the team kept battling. They actually were tra- they actually trailed three times in that game, and mm-hmm. each time they came back to tie it. Right, and um, I know uh, <laughs> Nate Nate was uh, kind of dogging us a little bit about Garrett Cole, uh, but uh, you know uh, it, it, it's tough. Either either way, it's tough opening day, right? And, and this is uh, something that um, I, I'll kind of get out of the way with now. Um, but each game. All but one game, actually, or one starter, was a no decision for for both teams over the weekend for the Yankees and Matt or Yankees and Red Sox. Rather, uh, the only starter to get a decision was Nick Pavetta for the Red Sox, who got credit for the loss on Saturday. Uh, so it's always tough to tell. Uh, 
this year especially looking from a grand uh, say macro level across all the big leagues uh, a lot of starters did not see the end of the fifth inning I noticed throughout the weekend and I don't know uh, if that was just weather situation or I, I think it has more to do with the lack of a full uh, spring training yep, for sure um, they're, they're they're just not built up that high right. with their pitch counts and um, Saturday uh, Yankees come away with the four to two victory over Boston uh, just nine innings this time around obviously uh, Lucas Ludage, as I always call him, uh, comes away with the credited victory in this game. Uh, Nick Pavetta, as I mentioned, uh, credit with the loss. He'll walk away with that game with a 6.35 ERA at the moment. Chapman picked up his first save of the year. Top performers from that game, Alex Verdugo, two for three, home run, and a walk, two RBIs for the Red Sox. Other than that, uh, we had a Stantonian bomb from Giancarlo Stanton. And again, Rizzo another home run on Saturday. So it's nice to see Riz really stepping up. And this was a point of, I wouldn't say contention among many Yankee fans. Um, I know it, it was probably a little bit under the radar, but um, all things considered, at least early on here, a very positive re-signing technically for the Yankees. Yeah, I don't hear <clears throat> many um, Yankees fans talking about Matt Olson or Freddie Freeman right, right now. So, um, Interesting note on Saturday as well. I think we all kind of know about how the Yankees fans can be in Yankee Sam Alex Verdugo had a pretty interesting um, quote post-Saturday about the creatures out in left field. Now, normally in the Yankee Sam specifically, um, you mentioned the bleacher creatures, and they haven't gotten uh, – they haven't been, I think, talked about as much in recent years just because of the way the new stadium is and how, I guess, tamed down things have been. But Verdugo had an interesting quote uh, – I'll quote him verbatim here, pretty much saying how out in left field, uh, the comments that he gets told by Yankee fans kind of fuel him, and he can't wait to kind of get out there and see him and talk back to him a little bit. Um, yeah, after his home run, I saw him like yeah. raise his hand going around second, like pointing at them. Right. Um, I I have sat in the bleachers before. They're, it's an interesting crowd out there. I don't know. Have, have you ever been out in the bleacher creatures before? I actually have not. It's a I sight to be. There. It's a sight and an experience to behold. Nate, have you at all before? Or? I haven't sat out there. Um, I know about it, of course. I just have one question about it. Is that a Nick Swisher thing, or was that before Nick Swisher? No, this was well before. Was okay. Nick I know Swisher. Nick Swisher always embraced it. <clears throat> yeah. I just wasn't sure if he kind of was the man that. Be- oh yeah, I mean, began it or Yankee oh, wow. Yankee players embrace the Bleacher Creatures. Okay, fair I always Nick. So. I always knew Nick Swisher was very public about it too. Um, you could always see him doing it. This is a name that. Kind of been forgotten about in recent years to a degree because he's kind of, I think not not as taken as much charge slash. I think he's just kind of over it to a degree. But Bald Vinny, do you oh, know yep. the name Bald yep. Vinny? Do, do you? Yeah, I've heard that name. Okay, so he 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 kind of was the main guy there for probably about the better part of two decades, kind of leading the Bleacher Creatures. I know he still has a T-shirt business, but um, yeah, he was kind of the main one. And they the Bleacher Creatures at Yankee Stadium been a thing for really since I pretty much the 90s the mid 90s when they started to get hot again um and uh they've always been a thing even dating back to like i know the 70s where you i mean just look at some like the highlights from the world series and playoff runs back then and you know what i mean but um yeah I, like i said ever since he kind of calmed down and really the new steam i think has taken a lot of the juice out of uh the bleacher creatures as a whole um Anyway, getting back to 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 the games uh, on Sunday, this is where the Yankees uh, had their 
had their loss, and the Red Sox were able to take the rubber the rubber match of the of the series. Uh, Boston came away four to three yesterday with the victory. Cutter Crawford uh, comes thundering back, takes the victory. Uh, Clark Schmidt took the loss for the Yankees out of the bullpen. Jake Diekman taking the save for the Red Sox. Uh, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on through the year. We'll touch base on that though um, in a second. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck hit a home run for the Red Sox. Rizzo, again, another really great game. A couple walks, a couple RBIs, picked up a hit. And then Stanton, three for five with an RBI. Uh, the main storyline to me, though, um, and I'll ask you the question here in a second, Kyle, is the comebacker that hit Jordan Montgomery. Uh, hit him low and in the leg. Obviously, if you're going to get hit <laughs> by a comebacker, it's probably the, the, the least severe of the outcomes to a degree. Uh, but that being said, uh, this reminded me a lot of Charlie Morton's injury last year. Um, and for a second, it did not look like Montgomery was going to stay in the game. I, I certainly did not think he looked the same after the fact. Um, it hit him really in the back of the left knee. I know on the broadcast, they, they kind of made it seem like he was hitting the calf. But it certainly looked like it was back in the knee truly. Yep. Um, Obviously, MRI and X-ray. I think it was just an was it just X-ray or was it MRI? I think just X-ray. Okay, so that came back negative. Uh, he hopes to be back. Uh, are you hearing anything else at this point out of out of, out of there in terms of that? No. Uh, when he spoke last night, he seemed mm-hmm. to be like perfectly fine, and he said he would you know just put ice on it and stuff, and he thinks he's going to make his next start mm-hmm. later this week. Yeah. So Montgomery is a very key part of this rotation. I think people don't really realize that. Um, when he's on, he really remind he really does remind me of Pettit. Yep. Very similar builds, very similar um, windups and follow and releases as well. Um, I don't think he's maybe necessarily as powerful as Pettit is at the moment, but I mean Montgomery's young. This was a guy who uh, was in his prospect pipeline. Was he didn't get as much notoriety until later on. Uh, he was a guy who kind of quietly kind of went up the ranks to a degree. And then once he once he really performed at Double A, got got some recognition. Um, and right now he's the only left-hander in the rotation. Right. And so. that I mean that's a key part in this too. I mean yep. the Yankees do not have a ton of left-handed pitching depth in general. Obviously you mentioned Montgomery, but um, yeah, um, the Red Sox though. Obviously this is the Yankee uh, New York baseball podcast here, but uh, obviously the Yankees play the Red Sox very often, and we'll we'll touch on this because nineteen times. Yeah, because uh, you also wanted to mention something as well that occurred in the AL East, which is justifiable in nature. Um, the Red Sox, to me, are going to have they're going to be at a crossroads here with their closer role sooner than later between Barnes and and Diekman. I personally, I think I would roll Diekman. I I don't. No, Matt Barnes has always been a bit of a mystery pitcher. Um, very hit or miss. Obviously, for him, his lows are really low, but his highs are super high. Whereas Diekman, to me, is a very much so, I guess, even pitcher. Um, just like a closer, he has his times where he'll blow the save, but there are more instances in my mind where um, he 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 does the job. He he doesn't. He doesn't overwhelm you, but like I said, the same token, you know what you're going to get. I think. I think with, would you, I guess what I'm getting at is, would you rather have <laughs> the peaks and the valleys with Barnes or just the level plateau with with Diekman? Because I think I'd just rather have the level plateau with Pete, with Diekman. Yeah, and his stuff looked really good last night. I mean, right, he struck out the side. Mm-hmm. So, um, looking ahead for the Yankees. <clears throat> 
actually, let's, let's start here for a quick second, because you mentioned a very key thing with the AL East off-air that I want to touch on. Um, leading the AL East, I think, to the surprise of maybe overall no one when you think about it, Tampa Bay uh, sweeping Baltimore. Maybe not in that aspect of uh, surprise. Especially their opponent. But, right. But, um, again, I think this race team, we talk about them selling off all the time, but the same token... They're always there. They're always there. And you brought up a good point with that. Obviously, shutting out Baltimore yesterday. Um, I think the San Jose team is going to be a headache all year again. Yep. They're going to definitely be in it right till the end. They are a prospect factory, Tampa Bay. It seems like they always yeah. have somebody. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, they kind of are. Um, it helps that um, when they unload these guys, they tend to get some really good prospects back anyway. Right, yeah. Um, and they just know what to do with them, too, when they're, when they're you know, after they take on yeah, them or acquire I, them. For the most part, they do. Yeah. Um, they're going to be at... They're going to be at an interesting point here in the very near future mm-hmm. uh, about that middle infield. Obviously, Wander Franco, but you know Taylor Wells is very good as well. And then you also have another really good middle infield prospect in uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but uh, Biel Brojic. Brojic. I think, I think I'm mispronouncing right. it pretty bad there, but um, yeah. And then they got another middle infield prospect back in the in the Meadows deal that's very good. Um, so they're going to be at a crossroads with that. Um, now, what, what they do with them, I don't know. I mean, you had situation many years ago now where they had B.J. Upton converted from shortstop to an outfielder. So I, I don't know if they do that with any of the guys. Uh, I, I'm not an overall big fan of that, just in general. But they're just kind of a strange team overall. I remember right. they invented the opener. So. Yeah, and they're, they're really the only teams that still implements it on a regular basis as well. Um, that being said, their favorite opener is heading to the I.L. with Yarborough. So yeah. <laughs> who knows? All right, look ahead for the Yankees. They have a four-game set uh, with Toronto, uh, home at Yankee Stadium before the Yankees head out on the road for their first road trips of the year. Uh, four-game set, though. Uh, all games on Yes Network uh, for that, and all games 7:05, which is pretty interesting to me. Usually that last day, which is the getaway day, is usually a day game, but uh, it's scheduled for 7:05 Thursday as well. So uh, either way, Alex Spinoa against Jameson Tyone tonight. Uh, both those guys getting their first start of the year. Tomorrow, you have UC Kikuchi, uh, signing from Seattle, and against Nasty Nestor Cortez, um, both their first starts of the year tomorrow night at 7.05. Wednesday is when you come back into guys one game down, coming out for their second start of the year. Uh, both, really be fair, both teams aces on Wednesday night with uh, Berrios and Garrett Cole, and then Thursday with uh, Gosman and then Luis Severino. So, um, look, this Toronto team's really good. I think that goes without saying. Um, yep. Certainly a very good <clears throat> offensive team. Uh, and that To the point where that pitching does get overlooked. Yeah, I actually think that the series is a lot. I think at least a few of these games will be a slugfest. Mm-hmm. And I I really think it's like who whoever comes through with runners in scoring position really will win right. the game. Toronto's got seven home runs already, right? Because did you see the Bob Nightingale tweet? Yeah, he said they have seventeen. I'm pretty sure they have seven already, which is pretty shocking. Yeah, I would, need, I would need to relook at that. But I know, I mean, the one game I was watching against Texas, I mean, they were all slugfest games yeah. for the most part against the Rangers all and weekend. Were they down seven nothing in one of them? Yeah, Friday the first were, game. I Friday believe, they were right? down seven nothing. Friday was a game that I ended up live lining Toronto. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, their usual suspects are doing their thing, right? Teoscar, Bo, Vlad Jr. Um, to the point where it doesn't really look like they're missing Simeon at all. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, be interesting there. Um, I'm kind of leaning probably a split 2-2 series or Toronto 3-1 in all honesty. Um, I really like the matchup tonight pitching-wise. Um, I think this is a weird one where I feel like this might be the low-scoring game of the series in a weird way. Um, Manoa is a really great young pitcher. Um, throws hard, but is crafty. Tyone, as we know, very crafty, uh, but if he leaves it up, tends to be where he stays the whole game. Yep. Um, and then, really, tomorrow, tomorrow's a fun one if you're a sicko like me, where uh, Kikuchi and Cortez, they don't throw hard by any means, uh, but these are two dudes that, uh, you know, one of my favorite accounts, um, and I started following this account because, I, as a coach, I wanted to... I'm not a pitcher by any means. I want to learn more about pitching so that way I could be a better asset to my players. And it's become one of my favorite just content accounts on Twitter with Pitching Ninja. These are two dudes that he loves. And so I'm really excited to get, cra- get as I'm calling it, get crafty with Kikuchi and, and Nasty Nesser. Um, this is actually my pick for the slugfest really? of the series. Yeah, I, I, I can see that because, I mean, they both tend to, <laughs> both of them tend to they leave it hanging, which very often happens with both of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ball was going to fly. And honestly, as good as Nestor was last year, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be quite as good. I think he might take a little yeah. step back. Yeah, I mean, that's understandable. I think Kikuchi, too, um, was an all-star last year at Seattle, but down the stretch struggled a little bit. Yep. But remains to be seen. And obviously, you have really the, the last two games are, you know, the, the hired guns borderline. You know, it's you know, that will be a fun one. That should be a fun one. All right, let's take a look at the New York Mets. Great series for them. Four games in the nation's capital, taking three of four from the Nationals. They are alone in the NL East atop the standings there. Um, obviously, them Thursday got going. Taylor Magill, Tyler Magill, rather. Um, 1-0, Patrick Corbin picked up the loss for the Nationals. Um, Magill did really good, I thought. All things considered, won five innings, six strikeouts. Top performers there was Magill, um, Robinson Cano. <laughs> Welcome back. I, I don't I don't think we expected to say his name right off the bat like that. But he went two for three with a walk and two runs. And Mark Hanna uh, in his debut for the Mets, two for three as well with an RBI and a run. Um, that game was fairly ho-hum, not much to take from that game. So we'll jump right into Friday's game, which was, I thought, the highlight game of the series for obvious reasons. Uh, the Mets come away with a victory there, 7-3, to three, Scherzer. Uh, pick up a win. Josiah Gray, who I think is going to be really great here down the road. Um, really a top prospect for the Dodgers, and they sent him to Washington that deal last year with uh, Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the Dodgers, but uh, he picked up the loss. Top performance for that game, Jeff McNeil. Howdy doody. Three, three of four with a home run. Uh, Scherzer obviously won six innings, six strikeouts. Gave up three, though. Josh Bell hit a home run from the Nationals. But the main storyline there, after Pete Alonso got hit Thursday uh, up high, uh, Lindor was hit up high as well in the head, uh, resulted in Buck getting a bit heated, and he had the benches cleared. Not a brawl uh, by any means, but benches cleared out. And um, I think that ranks more or less as just a kerfuffle on the tier rank. But um, 
always interesting in the opening series when you have uh, obviously you know opening series for the most part are teams within the division obviously with odd teams in each division right it's not always the case but um in this situation obviously two teams that um more than likely would be at opposite ends of the spectrum in the standings um but already obviously heated tempers and, and mixed emotions towards each other yeah <clears throat> i understand buck showalter's frustration mm-hmm. because you never want your guys to get you know get hit but honestly i don't necessarily think that both of them were intentional no. i mean they just got away like i just don't think that they're intentionally trying to throw at their heads right but right and that's the thing right i i don't think um no, I don't think when you throw up high like that, it's ever intentional. I think you know when it's intentional, right? It's usually in the back or the butt, you know, yeah. something like that. Um, and wasn't it in like the middle of the count for both of them? Right. So I think like, I think I think I know Lindor's was a two strike count, um, which is tough, right? I, at that point, you never, you know, if, if, at the very least, conventional baseball wisdom tells you that's not an intentional spot to hit somebody. Um, Obviously, if it's 3-2, that one's a little bit of a toss-up. But conventionalism, either way, with two strikes is you're not beating a guy. Yeah. Um, Move on to Saturday. Uh, Mets with the shutout, 5-0 over Washington. Chris Bassett wins on his debut for the Mets. Yoan Adon picks up the loss for the Nationals. Uh, Chris Bassett won six, had eight strikeouts. Brandon Nimmo had his coming-out party for 2022, two for four, a double, and two runs. And then a um, late call-up, which we'll talk about for the Mets, Syracuse Mets anyway, here in a couple minutes. Travis Jankowski, two for three uh, with a walk and two stolen bags. Um, Jankowski, former Padre prospect coming up, has kind of bounced around the past couple years. Phillies legend pretty, as well. I was about to say, pretty <laughs> much in the NL East. He had a cup of coffee with the Reds, but uh, last year pretty much with Philadelphia. And, um, look, he's a known speedster. I think that's a really – good asset for the Mets to have uh, all things considered yeah Sunday uh the the only loss for the Mets on the weekend Washington coming away four to two Cal Finnegan picking up the win excuse me for the uh Nationals Trevor Williams takes the loss Trevor Rainey the only save in that series on the weekend Trevor Rainey picks up the uh save for the Nationals uh, Carlos Carrasco got the no decision. He started from the Mets. Really great job. Five and two thirds. Yeah, he deserved two hits, better. Two hits and one earned run. Five strikeouts. So, um, you mentioned deserved better there. Um, but that's a really great sign to have him looking good in that first start. Yeah, because he really did struggle at times yeah. last year when he, you know, wasn't injured. Mm-hmm. Lindor uh, picked up a home run and a stolen base. Uh, and then a uh, brief shout out here for. You know, I think baseball fans, uh, Nelly Cruz got his 450th career home run yesterday, went two for four uh, with the game. But shout out to Nelly Cruz. Um, extremely, really weird under-the-radar player overall um, in his career. <laughs> yeah, and he had the game-winning hit with a two-run single. Right. Uh, the Mets bullpen basically just imploded in mm-hmm. the eighth inning. Yeah, I think um, that was the case. Now, now that wasn't the case, obviously, the first two games, but I mean – uh, Thursday night, Juan Soto had an absolute bomb against Trevor May. Um, and then on uh, Friday night, a little bit of the same with um, – not May, I can't remember who off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, the Mets bullpen 
we talk about early season, it's tough to fully get a full grasp, especially when it's just the opening series. But if that's the case for the Mets, then I, I, it helps knowing that that's what you need to go and do to improve is the bullpen. And they actually did go to their relievers that they hadn't used yet, right. and Chase and Shreve and Trevor Williams. Mm. And obviously their first appearance, they both struggled. But at the same point, you have to have a solid bullpen right. to win games. So no matter who you put in, you should be able to get the job done and and, against the weak Nationals too. And Williams is in a tough spot because he's going to be that flex starter for him. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy who normally is – his whole career up to this point has been as has been a starter um so i those usually are tough transitions for pitchers off the bat and also i just want to point out mets fans need to stop blaming buck showalter for the bullpen uh Mm -hmm. decisions he made you can't use guys three days in a row to start the year you're gonna have to go to other relievers so right especially for them you know they 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 go right into a series with philly which we'll talk about here in a second uh, but they don't have an off day until Thursday, which, you know, I, I this year's interest in the way that they've had the schedule constructed because of the lockout happening and taking as long as it did to strike the deal. Um, obviously, not as many off days. There are doubleheaders in in play. Uh, but you bring up a good point. I, and Buck, like Buck is one of the, in my mind, best managers. Maybe not quite ever, but certainly over the past couple decades. Uh, really great player manager. Like, if you're a player, I know they, people want playing for him. A uh, guy who really does, in my mind, the perfect mix of analytics and old-school baseball thinking, or traditional baseball thinking, rather. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I don't, I don't understand the exact... Uh, and he even actually mentioned that before the game. He right. told reporters that he wanted to get those guys in the game, and, right. you know, he wants to stay away from some of the key guys that he's used three days in a row. Right. It, look, I mean, the wear and tear of shortened spring training, uh, that's a key part in this. You know, you mentioned that he brought it up too. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a little bit of Mets fans being maybe Mets fans. But, look, you have a team here, like, that is showing that they aren't going to do the typical, like, what I call meme-met ways. Like, it, it's pretty apparent, right, that that this is a team that is constructed in such a way that – if there's gonna be fault, if, if there's gonna be faults, it will show. But there are places that it can be made up for. Um, you know, mention the bullpen, right? And that might be the glaring spot right now, and that's all fine and well. But look, you have a guy like I mentioned, Trevor Williams, who is making that transition to being that flex starter from being a true starter, right? And he's a good guy. He's a good pitcher. Not not great, like initially thought when he came up with Pittsburgh a few years ago, but he's good. He's solid, right? Trevor May, solid reliever. He'll get his stuff together. I would imagine so anyway. For sure. Right? And you have proven guys in the arm. You mentioned a guy like Jason Shreve. He's a proven reliever. You know, that he's the lefty you need in the pen, pretty much, right? And then obviously, a guy like Seth Lugo, you know what he can do. You know, the stuff's there. You know, just got to put it together, right? And more appearances, will obviously. Exactly. Help. I mean, that, that, like you know, that's something that we we've, we've mentioned here, and not to beat the beat a horse dead with it, right? But a shortened spring doesn't help. And look, I know these guys are were working out and stuff like that, but you can only do so much in these workouts because you have limited access to what you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, you had pretty much only three weeks of of warm up. And that's the thing. I, I think this next few weeks you're going to see 
maybe not true comers and goers like we usually see, but I think you will see some fluky things happen. Uh, across, not just specifically for Yankees and Mets, mm-hmm. but across the big league board. Um, you know, that being said, I still expect, you know, <laughs> a team like, say, Baltimore to be just be bad, right? <laughs> but, you know, a team like Colorado, again, using just the macro examples so here, look at what Colorado did over the weekend. Hung Wait. tough with the Dodgers in all series. Um, you know, are they going to be as great as – Maybe we are led to believe. Probably not, but they might be one of these teams where they have the fluky situations happen and things kind of fall, right? Yep. You know, another example out west would, would be look at the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks having hung tough with the Padres all, all weekend. They got swept, but they hung tough with them all weekend, which is something that I did not expect. So, yeah. All right, back to, back to the main stuff here. Um, obviously, mentioned three games set here for the Mets against Philadelphia in Philly. Um, Two night games and then one day game as a getaway game, even though the Mets are heading just back to Queens after Wednesday. And I believe Philly just took two of three from Oakland, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the all three games are on SNY, 645, first pitch tonight yeah, I, and Tuesday. I, I wonder oh. how Mets fans felt Friday night having to watch the game on Apple TV. Yeah, that was rough. So um, did you... I, I was at a friend's house and they ended up getting the free three months or whatever it is of it. Yep. Um, I thought the broadcast was actually pretty good overall. Um, I just have a big principle out of principle deal about how we have a commissioner who says he wants to grow the game. (laughs) And with that in mind, he has put, I think it's roughly 20% of primetime games behind a paywall. Yep. Ridiculous. Um, So, (laughs) I mean... I don't know. Uh, it remains to be seen. Go but, ahead. He, but he gave them all headphones. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah, nice. He wants better relationships with his players. Yeah, that's how you do it. Guys Guys who have deals with, with bows and beats anyway, giving them headphones. Yeah. So. I mean, you're never going to be sad about getting receiving headphones. That's always something you need. It's not really the point. Maybe, yeah, I guess. <laughs> maybe minor leaguers would be more happy. Oh, right. That's true. Because, yeah. you know, they don't make a lot of year right. every year. Right. So Anyway, back to the bets. Uh, six forty-five first pitch tonight. Ty Walker gets his first start here against uh, Rui uh, Suarez for Philly. Um, that one will be an interesting matchup tonight. Um, I'm a big Ty Walker guy though, so. Um, but Suarez are interesting storyline last year. Um, midseason call up from AAA Lehigh Valley for Philly, and I believe at one point post all-star break had like the best ERA in the big leagues. I know at one point, I think he was like at a 29 game or 29 inning, uh, no runs given up or something like that streak out of the bullpen initially, like just wild stuff. Uh, but he's, he's obviously a, a really good young arm for Philly. So that'll be a fun game to watch tonight. I got a feeling that there's going to be a lot of runs in that game. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Tomorrow night, six forty-five, also on SNY. Mago gets the bump again. This is where, again, starters, top-of-the-line starters are getting their second starts of the year. Coming off five shutout innings. Right. And uh, he'll be facing former Met Zach Wheeler. Um, so that'll be a follow And then Wednesday, 105, the getaway game. Max Scherzer toes the uh, rubber for his second start of the year against Aaron Nola. Um, nice pitching matchup there. Yeah, travel technical travel day Thursday. The Mets will be off there uh, before they head back to Queens. 
uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, another big, uh, big series for the Mets. Um, I do think that they'll take the series two to one. I'm, I think they lose tomorrow night against Wheeler. I think that's where the loss is. But um, yeah, I'm not again. I, usually, usually stuff like this is a little bit of a toss up. I, I, I still lead Mets, probably taking the series two to one. Do um, we have a Degrom update? Injury update? Still looking at four weeks for Degrom, or yeah. I believe so. Yeah, I, we probably I haven't won't. seen anything okay. really through the weekend. Yeah, we probably so. won't get another update until after the four weeks because right. he's shut down for yeah you know, that long. Yeah, I, I, it's a shame, but um, hey, the starters are showing up without him at the moment in a weird way. So more power to him. All right, let's head down to the farm. Start with um. We'll start with the positive positive notes of the Rochester Red Wings. Four and two, they're tied third in the International League East division at the moment. Uh, obviously, took four four of the six from Toledo in Toledo over the weekend. Uh, yeah, after and, dropping and last week, yeah, after dropping their uh, opener, right? Uh, they did lose yesterday. Uh, but that being said, it's a very good Toledo team. Detroit's got a lot of prospects that will either be stashed there or be brought there. Uh, Riley Green, I. Riley Green was supposed to break camp with Detroit, but got hurt. He'll he'll end up being in Toledo uh, when he gets back healthy. Um, so, like I said, Detroit has a lot of prospects stashed in Toledo. Um, so, obviously, to me, the key the key player position player anyway right now for for Rochester is Trace Berea, the catcher, second in the International League in batting average, five thirty three right now. Just keeps hitting. Only has a home run and one RBI, but. Yeah, as I mentioned, just keep setting. Oh, on base of five six, excuse me, five sixty three, eight hundred um, slugging and a one point three six three OPS. Um, I believe that's also second in the Air National League as well. Um, so uh, this is a guy who he's one of them that will probably, in my mind, get called up eventually here. Yeah, uh, he was um, technically a taxi squad player last year when they were still doing it, uh, but. Um, he's he's been in Rochester now. This is his second. Will be his de facto second full time season in Rochester. Um, well, really Triple A level um, because of obviously the realignment in the minor leagues that occurred uh, in between seasons last year. So um, he's he's been a bright spot throughout the past really couple years for Rochester with the Nationals affiliation, uh, just because of. Um, I'll, I'll throw the set out here. First time that the Red Wings have been five, above 500 since 2019. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, so, um, a lot of positive. Dominic Casey, one of the other prospects, has six RBIs. Um, he's leading the team there. Luis Garcia has six runs. Um, and the pitchers picking up the wins were Ben Bramer, Sam Clay, Jace Fry, and Carson Teal. Um, Kate Cavalli pitched opening day. Got no decision, uh, but uh, he had a rough he had a rough spring. Uh, I believe he's sitting at about a six and a half ERA right now. I think it's something like that, or six point three five, um, through the one start. But he'll be he'll be on the toe, and that's the beauty about these about the way, you know, if there's one positive in the way the minor league schedule is structured again this year, is that you'll see the guy again in this series pitch coming up here, and for them, that is uh, starting tomorrow. They have their home opener, and they have a six game slate against the Buffalo Bisons, Triple affiliate for. Toronto, uh, some nobles for Buffalo. Joe Biagini's back within the Toronto organization, coming back from injury, so he's uh, hanging out in AAA, more or less rehabbing. And 
Former Big Leaguer Malik Smith is also there. Uh, and prospects Thomas Hatch and Anthony Kay for Buffalo. Um, really the main promotion uh, before we have our show on Thursday for Rochester is opening night tomorrow night. Obviously, I think they're giving away a trapper trapper hat. I think it's the yeah, technical. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. First, however many fans. I'm not sure, quite sure on the number. but Right. And um, also the 50 or no, 60 degree guarantee rather as well. It's looking like they'll be safe there. And Milo the Bat Dog will be there tomorrow. So Paul's favorite promo. Hey, Bat Dogs kick ass. Um, like we mentioned, tough to obviously gauge, but nice positive start for the Red Wings. Yeah, after dropping their opener, I was like, I mean, I know it was only one game, very small sample size, but right. the way it happened, I was like, oh, I don't know how good this Red Wings team is going to be. Right. But them, for them to battle back and, you know, what win four in a row before dropping the game yesterday, it's pretty impressive. But one thing I am concerned with, like you said, if uh, Trace Berea gets uh, called up, that's going to really hurt their offense. And he's actually been kind of not really carrying them, but really producing. Right. Now, what will be key for Rochester – um, is really how well the Nationals end up doing. Um, I I can see a path where the Nationals can kind of hang hang in contention, but if this opening series is any indication, that's probably not going to be the case. Obviously, mm-hmm. like we said, with equally as part as the major leagues, it's hard to tell with the minor leagues as well. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, a guy like Luis Castillo or Luis Garcia rather would be up. As well, I mean, he's a top prospect for the Nationals, and um, you know, it'll be interesting once he comes back healthy. Carter Keyboom, where they where they put him initially, he'll probably get some run in AAA really to get the wheels going again. But um, is that the greatest name for baseball player, Connor Keyboom? Uh no, that's a great. I think that's a great name. Nah, especially when he goes Keyboom. I'm more of a cutter. Cutter Cutter Crawford for the Red Sox is up there, <laughs> and he does throw a cutter, right? So. Um, then on the opposite side of the coin, also down I-90, Syracuse Mets, tail two teams. Uh, they did have uh, yesterday's game uh, postponed due to the weather, but they're 1-4. They're ninth in the uh, International League East. Um, not a ton of positives for them against Scranton, but it was a loaded Scranton team, as you mentioned off there, Kyle. Uh, that being said, uh, team leader is Carlos Rincon, 278 average. Uh, Quinn Brody, though, tied first. In the International League with four stolen bases already. And Mike Montgomery, through his one start, has a 0.00 whip. Also leads the national the International League uh, there. Um, you know, this was a Mets team that I thought if anybody was going to have a run, it'd be them out of the two, perhaps. But what got them is the Mets did end up calling up a couple guys uh, right before opening day. Um Travis Jankowski, we mentioned him, how he had a top performance over the weekend for the Mets. He was one of them that called up. Travis Blankenhorn uh, got – he wasn't up with the Mets, but he reported to Syracuse late for whatever reason. I know he missed opening day. Uh, and he was, he, was, he was one of their key players throughout the year last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens uh, with the Mets. Like, you know, like we said, it's, it's tough to ha- kind of gauge properly – uh, off the bat where these teams kind of land but uh if it's any indication uh it's a lot of the same as it was last year for 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 the s mats pitching 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 that's my takeaway i, I think they're really going to struggle all year with pitching mm-hmm. week ahead for syracuse they are on the road in columbus columbus is the triple a affiliate 
for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, some notables for Columbus, Tyler Freeman and Nolan Jones are two of the top prospects for Cleveland. Uh, they are starting the year at AAA. I would not be surprised to see either one of those two back up. Uh, well, Freeman would be a backup. He did have a couple games with Cleveland last year. Nolan Jones would be, I believe, making his debut. Um, Josh Naylor is rehabbing. Uh, saw true rehab um, after his injuries last year. Um, devastating leg injuries. Uh, but he's starting the year at Columbus. It will be interesting to kind of see how they use him uh, fully moving forward. And then uh, they also have Will Benson and Oscar Gonzalez, two very good outfield prospects uh, for Cleveland as well, who actually saw a play in person in A Akron last year. Uh, both really good players there. Um, yeah, you mentioned pitching. Uh, this is this going to be an interesting series. Columbus is 3-3 three and three on the year. Um their pitching has not been overwhelming either. So maybe this is exactly kind of a, a good spot for the Mets. Maybe not pitching-wise per se, but maybe a spot where the offense can at least get going a little bit and get a little bit of momentum to help that pitching aspect. And it might not be as bad as we think. Right. I mean, they did face a very good Scranton lineup. Right. Um, so I guess we'll have to kind of just wait it out and see how they do against Columbus. Right. All right. So that wraps up the show for today. Appreciate everybody for tuning in, whether it be live or after the fact. Make sure you listen to us on Spotify. Check us out here on YouTube, obviously. Um, be back Thursday at 11 a.m. Any parting thoughts, uh, Kyle, Nate? Just, I think it's just immensely positive right. for the two teams, for the Mets and the Yankees, to take right. to take series in division games. Big. Um, to start off the season with on the right foot, yep. as we kind of named this episode. So I think it's immensely positive for those two clubs. Yeah. And people always think that, like, games in April don't matter. They most certainly do a lot of times at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Division races come down to one, two, three games. Mm -hmm. So it's very key, you know, to start to get off to a good start. Right. All right. For Kyle Evans, I'm Paul Russo for Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast. Appreciate Nate Sharman behind the scenes producing. We'll see everybody and talk to everybody Thursday at 11 here. Until then. Have a good, awesome baseball midweek, and we'll see you then.